There are people just like you and I that are embedded within all of our communities. And since being able to talk to these people, I have discovered that their stories are not only inspiring, but truly, truly authentic. And it's through these stories I created the ATP podcast. With this podcast, I aim to be able to get their stories out and have further reach than what they themselves may be able to do. So with that in mind, I would like to introduce the ATP podcast. G'day legends, what is happening? Great to have you back with us. Now team, before we kick off with this podcast, um, it is a very fitting time right now in this current space uh, for all of our veteran listeners and also everyone else who's just uh, intrigued. Um, guys, I would love to refer you back to our previous podcast with Dan Christensen. Um, from, he's a CEO from Survive to Thrive Nation, SDTN. Um, and Dane really talks about his experiences whilst in defence within the Australian Army, um, all of those experiences he felt when he got out. I feel this is a very kind of important podcast at the moment, going back just with what's happening coming out of um, Afghanistan at the moment. Um, I have been quite vocal about this in terms of how um, a lot of my friends who have been over there, guys that I served with, um, a couple of them are currently going through a few mixed emotions, um, all to do with what we were doing over there um, and then how there's um, not only loss of life whilst over there, but also loss of life through suicide um, once the boys got back and also the girls. So there's a lot of mixed emotions in terms of the why. Now, putting all the politics aside, um, for anyone that is ever experiencing anything like this, um, reach out, guys. But not only them to be experiencing it, if you know of someone that has been um, overseas, who's deployed, um, who's served, reach out to them as well, guys. Um, I, I know as an ex-defense member that sometimes just having a chat is the best thing you can do. Um, it, you can help kind of really realign some thoughts, um, just get your emotions out on the table and it can really help to kind of recenter you. So if you do know anyone, reach out guys because um, just being able to talk about things can really help um, take some of the burden off and help kind of make sense of certain things that are going on. But not only that, um, if you are in um, any of the states or capacity where you're able to actually see them, um, get them over for a beer or have a chat uh, in person because that'll also do wonders as well, especially in this time. So again, guys, I'd really love to refer you back to our previous podcast with Dane um, and he will go through all of that. And if you do know anyone that could possibly be struggling, struggling even if you do know um, or they may say that they're not, just reaching out anyway, guys, that can be really important. But on to today's podcast, we have Desha Joseph. Now, Desh is a, uh, a good mate of mine, um, and uh, pretty much I'll let the podcast do the talking for himself. But one big takeaway from this is um, I've had certain views, and I also know other people have certain views, but no one, I guess, it's, you can't say no one. It's sometimes it can come across how people may flaunt uh, their wealth, how people may flaunt certain things. Um, or how they may go about expressing certain ways. Well, 
One thing I'd love to say about Desh is you can never judge a book by their cover. Um, and the big thing that I learned about Desh just by having a chat with him is that this guy came from, you know, almost nothing, um, was never on the richer end of the scale at all uh, with his family. And he has worked his ass off through thick and thin, through making good choices and plenty of bad, as we all have, to where he's at a point now where he can express his love to his friends and family in the way he knows. Um, And sometimes the way you may view and perceive someone can be very different as to why they do it. Um, So all I want to say is you just never judge a book by its cover. Um, that's not to say that I ever thought a certain way of, uh, of Desh. I've always loved him. I think he's a top bloke. And I think all you guys are going to love him. He's got a great story. And yeah, it was just a great night. Just to have a chat, have a few laughs. And now you guys get to hear his backstory and how he's going and where he wants to go. Very interesting life. Anyway, guys, so this is going to be Dizzy and he's going to be throwing it out there. All right, team, enjoy the podcast. agree are we allowed to swear or? yeah okay good, 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 good. all right guys so today i have on the podcast a good friend of mine desh now he does go by many names and i do have a few nicknames for him so i'm sure we'll be able to follow along but uh dizzy Mate, welcome. Thanks so much for jumping on. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, now, there's a lot I want to cover off on tonight. Um, mm. A few people have asked as well. They're like, oh, what are you guys going to talk yep, about? Okay. Um, so there are a few things. Uh, by all means, answer is honestly possible, <laughs> but no. It's all good, mate. Just, just a good little chat. So, yep, cool. Um, mate, first of all, let's just, let's just get a little bit of background about okay. yourself. Who you are, where you come from, what you do. Yep. Um, yeah, so my name's Desh. I'm uh, 33 years of age. I turned 33 yesterday. feel a little bit old. Um, my family moved to Australia when I was four years old. We uh, lived in Melbourne for a year. Um, then Dad got a job up in Brisbane. So I came up to Brisbane when I was about six. Um, yes, yeah, since then, yeah, I went to uh, primary school in the northern suburbs, into high school at Mara Stash Grove. And then, I don't know, kind of just fucked around at uni for a bit and got a couple of degrees. Um... Then, I don't know, floated from sales job to sales job, landed in recruitment, and um, yeah, I worked at nightclub for a bit too, and somehow I ended up where I am today. What, uh, what degrees did you get? Uh, Bachelor of Business and Bachelor of Law. Okay. All right. And what, what made you want to get into those degrees? Um, I didn't really want to go to uni. Oh, no, I did want to go to uni after school, uh, because everyone at, that uh, graduated from Maris went to uni. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to study, but one of my uni mates at the time, Jimmy, he uh, sent me a message going, I'm studying business and law. You should do the same so we can go to the same classes. So I decided, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What were, what were your aspirations coming out of school? Like nothing, like, did you have any sort of idea what you wanted to do? Um, I don't know. I guess school came like pretty easy to me. I got an OP2. I didn't really have to study. Um, I think... What I, I know, this sounds really lame, but I think when I finished school, I just want, want to be known, want to be cool, want to be want to be a bit of a party king. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I, I kind of knew that the, uh, well, I kind of expected the other side of things to fall into place, like 
getting a degree and getting a job. I just thought that stuff would be normal. And I was like, well, one thing I didn't have that I wanted to achieve was I guess, that social aspect that I didn't have while I was at school. Yeah, okay. So talking about school, especially primary school and then moving into mm. high school, um, obviously moved over here to Australia when you were four. Yeah. Did you... Like, did you ever face any sort of adversity or were you always well accepted? Like, did you ever experience any of that growing up? Um, yeah, racism was, well, racism was something I guess you deal with, I guess, obviously being uh, from a foreign country. Yep. Um, I didn't grow up, I guess, well off. So obviously not having things that other kids have, that's something that, uh, adversity that you face as well. Yep. Um, I guess, I don't know, that probably helped thicken my skin a bit um, growing up, but... I know I kind of felt that was part and parcel. I'm happy I went through it all because if I if I didn't, then I don't, I don't think I'd be as resilient as I am today. How'd you go um, with I guess because you played AFL yep. as well growing up. So how was that being in that sporting environment? Did you experience anything there, or you kind of everyone was just seen equal on the sporting field? What was your experience there? Um, everyone was seen as equal, I guess. From that point, I, I never had the best ball skills. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually a pretty shit footy player, but. <laughs> But one thing that set me apart was at the time I had above average um, cardio, anaerobic skills. Uh, so I was able to run. Uh, but I also, I guess, was a fellow that gave 200% of training. So yeah. I guess the coaches, trainers, they all loved me. So even though I didn't, um, I wasn't the best player, they'd always give me, give me a shot, put me on the bench. And when, even when I got on the field, I'd get a cheer from the parents. So, um, so, <laughs> so that was the way I kind of evened out my shit balls. But... Ball, uh, ball skills. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, cool, man. And then, um, so when you made the move into high school, yep. um, and then you've gone into uni, you said that you got into the, the nightclub life, so yep. working. Um, tell us what you did there and how that was. Um, that kind of, one of, uh, one of my mates, Noah, he actually um, got me a gig as a promoter at a club called Monastery. Um, and then I know at the time I knew a few people, so he said, "You want to come on board as a promoter?" It's mostly you know chucking stuff on Facebook, getting people into the clubs. Um, but actually, I actually thrived on that because for some reason I don't know why I had a bit of a social media following, so getting people to come into into a venue or selling festival tickets, those kind of things came to me easily. I found that I was able to influence people's decisions, um, uh, decision making, which was cool. Um, and yeah, look, the nightclub life. It was cool. You get known. People, I know, you, I know you become a bit of an entity. People come to you. I know it feels cool. You, I know you, people. I know, I know, pump up your tires. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I guess it's insane that there's a, there's negative side of it where I know you're in that party environment too much. You're surrounded by a lot of negativity, toxicity, and and to be honest, probably near the end of my nightclub career, it probably got to my head a bit too much. Probably made a few bad decisions and develop bad habits that I wasn't proud of. And by the end of it, I wasn't proud of who I was by the end of it. Um, but you know, once again, I I think I just went along for the ride because I kind of thought that, hey, look, things will work out uh, regardless of what's happening. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. And how long were you doing that nightclub life for? Um, probably about eight years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Any, uh, what was one of your biggest highlights of doing that? Um, biggest highlights, I, I ran a couple of events, um, like there was one night at GPO where the owners told me that I could run my own event and I'll, I'll get to keep a bit of a cut of the door. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was awesome. I and mean, that was, this is my first experience and I'm running my own, own special night. The next, 
the next day when I went to pick up my door door collection, I think it was about, I don't know, two or three grand. I was like, holy shit. Holy shit. Yeah, there's a bit of money in this. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, I think I was 22, 23 at the time. So it was a wow. bit of money. So I was like, holy shit, this is cool. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. a couple of cans of gold. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, and, and what, what was the event? Like, what did you hold? What, what was um, it? It was like a Thursday night student event. I know you, you pay, you come uh, for the first couple of hours. Is, I know you get a bar tab from like nine to 10. And from there is cheap drinks, whatever. I know everyone Everyone back then wanted to come and party. GPO was a place to be. Yep. And I know for, for a long time I thought I was a the man there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 and as lambs as I thought I know I was, I was some sort of celebrity in Brisbane because I know I was the VIP manager at GPO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay, good. Stardom. Love that. Mm. Um, all right. And then so what was one of the big reasons that you got out of it? Um, to be honest, I was actually fired from there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not many people know that. Not, not many people know that. Um, I, um, so one thing I loved doing back in the GPO days was, because I thought I was untouchable, I'd put up, I'd troll people incessantly. I'd put up ridiculous Facebook status, statuses. And when Facebook memories come up these days and look at those statuses, I look at it and I think to myself, holy shit, you were so nasty. <laughs> Who the fuck were you? Um, so I, because I had access to the GPO page, um, after every weekend, people would upload, uh, the club would upload photos and people would message the club going, hey, can you take this photo down, this photo down, because I don't like being in it. So some, some guy messaged the club going, hey, um, I'm actually cheating, I'm actually kissing a girl that's not my girlfriend in this photo. Can you please <laughs> take it down? <laughs> so here I was, um, here I was, I took a screenshot of that chat Put it on, uh, put it on Facebook. I scrot, I like rubbed out the photo a little bit, but people still, still tell what photo it was, and put up a status going, I know GPO doesn't believe in cheating, GPO believes in love, something like that. And I thought nothing of it. I just thought it was funny. Got about three hundred likes on Facebook. Here I am thinking, fuck yeah, three hundred likes, how good. Um, the next day, I get a call from the owner going, Dash, what the fuck did you put up? Delete it now. We're getting calls from this girl's, uh, from these girls' parents saying. She's upset, mental health, this, that, whatever. Yeah. So I delete it, whatever, and then I'll get called into a meeting. So at that meeting, they go, yeah, sorry, Dash, you're, uh, you're sacked. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, man, and I was like 29 years of age. My entire personality and so I don't know, sense of social well-being was revolved around this fucking nightclub. And then, give me a second, man, I'm just going to put that thing yeah. on site. I don't know. It's a pretty dark time, so I was thinking to myself, holy shit, I created this personality on social media. The way I interact with people was all due to this weird power that I derived from being a fucking manager at a nightclub. And then when that was all taken away, not gonna lie, probably went through probably six months of uh, probably partying a bit too much, partying for the wrong reasons, because I felt a little bit lost. Um, So I had to ask myself, I guess you're a bit of a crossroads. What do you do from here? You can either be that 29 year old that was sacked from a club and uh, no, fizzed away into nothing or you could actually I don't know, prove the haters wrong and make something of yourself. So I, don't know, I, I, I feel as though that was probably one of the biggest moments of my life because I had to kind of work out, well, I know, you can go one or two ways. Either you can I know, become a has-been and everyone will laugh at you or you can, I guess, I know, create into something positive even though it's toxic positivity yeah. <laughs> and then um, I don't know, use it to better yourself. Yeah, okay. So during this whole time, that nine years you were there, you mm. were obviously at uni. Yep. You'd finish uni. Were you doing anything 
were you doing other stuff while you were still at GPO? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Well, funnily enough, I actually started recruitment uh, in 2012, the same year that I started at GPO. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it was funny. I was um, living this double life where Monday to Friday, I work my full time job in recruitment, and then come Friday night, I'd switch into switch into nocturnal mode, and um, yeah, go work in a nightclub. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then I guess with your business and law degree, um, how come you didn't explore an avenue down one of those degrees? What, what was the reasoning there? Um, at the time when I finished my degree, I, I think what I, what I really wanted to do was still be in that social scene and not really, not really, I guess, go into I know, a career. Yep. But also, I guess, when I finished um, uh, uni, I tried to apply for a few grad jobs. Put a half-assed um, application in, didn't really get accepted anywhere. So I was just, I don't know, just whatever. I'll just jump from one telco sales job to another, and just kind of float around. Yeah. Um, but it was probably on a more of a defensive mechanism because I thought that hey, at the time I was better in that promoting nightclub scene than actual real life. So I kind of hid, and I hid, I know, shirked my responsibilities of trying to find a career and and I know and then follow this other life. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and um, well, and when you first started out in recruiting, are you still in that same recruiting job with it's, it's Rock? Yeah, no, no. So no, so I, I first started working with this company called Foundation. Okay, yeah, no, I'm not still with them. Um, yeah, so I guess the first five years that I worked uh, in recruitment with Foundation was was essentially my five years I spent with GPO. Right. So, so obviously my focus wasn't at my on my day job, um, and to be honest, I was. Pretty shit, pretty lazy. Um, didn't really care about my day job. I'd be, I was one of those um, eight thirty to five. As soon as five o'clock came, out the door. Um, yeah, didn't really have any pride in my work doing the um, during Monday to Friday, to be honest. Yeah, so it's just more of that focus on the weekend. Yeah, mm. social dash. Yep, social dash. <laughs> <laughs> so then, when you've finished up at GPO, you said you also finished up same time at Foundation yep. as well. Yep. So then, is that when you moved into Rock? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It is. And so then what was the, the turning point there? You've obviously, you've finished up a GPO, you've now got something to make of yourself all year. As you yep. said, you're at that crossroad. What was, I guess, the, the, the next step there? Like, how did you get into Rock? And then how did you then start applying yourself? Yep. Walk us through all of that. Um, so I, one of my mates um, used to work at Rock and um, they, he said, look, they were hiring. Said to put an application. So yeah, put one in. Through three interviews, got the job. Um, I think what changed was, I guess, when I went there, it was a bit more of a grown-up environment. There were at foundation, it was just uh, probably two or three people, and I didn't really I know, vibe with them. Whereas at Rock, it was a, I don't know, uh, four or five blokes around my age. Everyone was a bit more. It was in the city. Everyone's in suits. But I think it was. I literally saw that as my turning point where. Uh, my current boss, Richard, I, I find him very inspiring. And I thought to myself, look, he's someone I can learn from. Um, but I think I, I knew that my first five years of recruitment, I was literally operating at about 20%. And I did that on purpose because that, my focus was elsewhere. Uh, without the nightclub to distract me, I started, I don't know, increasing the output to 30, 40, 50, 60, 70%. And that drive, that motivation that I had when I was back at school, probably grade eight or nine, that, that started coming back. Um, and I know it was just this underlying theme that kept running in the back of my mind. Prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. Don't fail. Don't fail. Don't fail. And I know it doesn't work for everyone, but for some reason it worked for me. Yeah, nice. Okay, so then 
you've you've now got this grade nine attitude again of trying to prove them wrong yep. and not fail. Um, how long was it until I guess you started experiencing success, and then also your your perception on your success within rock? How yep. did they meet at the same time, or were you yeah were you experiencing actual success on paper before you thought you were yep. successful? How did that all? Um, it was weird. I guess it was literally probably two months into working at Rock that I guess numbers wise, money wise, yeah, huge paychecks that I thought I could never achieve. Um, ridiculously awesome billing results, all this, that, whatever. And yeah, on paper, I thought that was it, yeah, really good. Um, yeah, really successful. I know everyone outwardly, I know third parties looking in would say, yeah, you're successful. However, I truly believe that. Um, I know success without fulfillment is the greatest failure. And I think I only probably recently started feeling fulfilled with that paper success. I know probably two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the next thing I want to segue, we've, we've got that there. Now you've been, at, is it nine years? You've now been at Rock? Uh, no, nine years I've been in recruitment all up. Oh, recruitment all up. Okay. Yeah, How yeah. long have you been at Rock for now? Uh, four years. Four years. Okay. You've hit some pretty massive milestones yeah. there as well. Mm. Um, tell us about some of your um, achievements that you've had with Rock. Yeah. Um, I guess everyone says, I know you want to be a million dollar bill. I guess uh, that's a, I know it's just a number. It's just, a, I, know, um, I know, some psychological number that people want to hit. Uh, in my first year at Rock, I was able to do, I know, 700, k, which, and keep in mind, my best result at I know, my previous job was about 200. 200k so yeah so massive jump up and as soon as i hit million dollars uh build for the first uh first time i was like holy shit i can actually do this and i started feeling a sense of pride in what i was doing which is great um and i started being i don't know i started feeling so yes i'm a good recruiter i can do this i had clients and candidates coming coming to me regularly which is great which is awesome um but also i guess i wanted to i didn't want to rest on my laurels i didn't want to say look I always believe on it, you're only as good as your last game, so to speak. Yep. So uh, I, I started feeling as though, look, I want to, yep, that was, that was a great month, that was a great year, but hey, I'm looking forward to tomorrow, I'm looking forward to the next month, I'm looking forward to the next year. And that's probably what I love the most because in the past, I know if I do something, I know achieve something great or what I think is great, I know I'll probably self sabotage <laughs> the next month by doing something stupid. Uh, whereas now I'm just in the in the, in the frame of mind where I want to keep achieving, keep 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 rolling on because you can't just I don't know. No one gives a shit about what you did yesterday. They care about I know, the kind of person you are today, what you achieved today as well. Awesome. So what what I want to know now, what I want the listeners to sort of understand is um, how. So over the four year period, so from when you left GPO when you were sacked there mm-hmm. to now. What is the sort of stuff you've done internally, your focus-wise, and your drive? Like I know you're, or, well, I should say, your drive has been you want to prove, prove the haters wrong, prove those people wrong, show that you're not a failure. But what are the what are the little one percenters that you constantly do? And and walk me through how, from day one at Rock, how you tackled a challenge yep. and how you saw a challenge to now. Because I know even the time that I've known you. I can see there's been a mental, I wouldn't say shift, but evolution. Like yep. it, it's constantly evolving. Yep. So walk me through, walk the listeners through how 
you approach a challenge or how you approached mm. a challenge back then, four years ago, yep. to how you're approaching it now? Um, back then, the way I would approach a challenge is probably from a position of negativity and I think wanting to, like you said, wanting to prove the haters wrong and I oh, know probably not. And when I achieved something, I wouldn't feel as fulfilled with it because I was, at the end of the day, that drive started from a place of negativity. Yeah, that extrinsic motivation. Yeah, yeah, intrinsic mo- And as I guess the, the past four years, what I've realized is that like these days, some of my motivation to achieve things is from a positive place because I want to I want to do great so I can be kind and generous to the people I love or uh, do well because I've got such a, a wonderful group of family and friends around me that want to see me succeed. Um, so my shift these days, my process is, it just starts from, I know my why isn't, isn't so much derived from a negative place now, but my why is more so from a positive place. Um, I think in the past, I know this sounds cliche, but I think in the past, um, you have that, there's that, I know some old saying where they go, do you want to be loved or do you want to be feared? Mm. I think in the past, I guess, especially the way my arrogance when I worked at nine club, et cetera, I think I wanted to be feared because I was like, well, I know if people are feared, they they I know they'd be they wouldn't put you down or something like that. But yeah. these days, I'd much rather be loved. Yeah, and do do things because not because I expect anything in return, but because do things because I feel as though if I give out positive energy, I'm going to get positive energy in return. Definitely. And and the weird thing is that I don't have a specific process and how I tackle any problem at work, life, or whatever. I stuff from my emotions and then. It's, I just see everything else fall into place. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Now, <clears throat> the last last year, you suffered a pretty serious injury, um, mm. and I was literally standing over the top of you when yeah, that happened. Yep, yep. Um, tore your ligament right off the bone yep. from pec. Yep. Was it pec or bite? Yeah, it was pec. Yeah, pec major. Pec major. Yep. So that um, that decided to take a holiday yeah, and uh, yeah. shoot down <laughs> yeah. shoot down into your rib cage yeah. uh, and I was spotting you over the bench yeah. press yeah, when you that were. happened um, now f- from that I guess I'll, I've not been first hand experience as in watching someone mm. do that that kind of shook me a little for a few weeks there yeah. but I've seen people that have done injuries and they've kind of just gone through the motions mm. they have come back but never been the same yeah um now it's still early days it, it would only be about a year it was it was troy's um, birthday yeah yeah so it's september yeah it was yeah it was literally before september troy's 12 birthday, 2020 <laughs> one of the worst days of my fucking life oh. thanks troy <laughs> so <clears throat> so it's not even been a year yet yeah but what i want to talk about so uh, one thing that mm. I, i've seen firsthand from this is your determination to determination to get back into training yep. to then stay with training to do all the all the small monotonous yep. things that happen with rehabilitation yep. Yep. of uh, of surgery. Mm. So, first of all, what I'm trying to say is like all of us, like so for me and all the other trainers yep. as well, what we saw was just commendable because yep. a lot of people don't do it. Walk us through your mindset, so. Mm what you were feeling when that happened. Yep. Like I, I remember strapping you up yeah. when we were over at Abby's. We were strapping your, your shoulder back down and everything. Mm. But walk walk us through, I guess, the process of leading up to the surgery. Yep. And then everything since then. 
in and around your training. Yeah. Um, I guess when the injury first happened, I guess my biggest fear was, shit, I can't go to gym, we're losing more friends. And it was just a, it wasn't like, it was like a weird shock. It's just feel, feeling of loneliness. I was like, holy shit. Cause like, I absolutely loved, I love going to Fitstop. Like we got such a good crew there, go there six times a week. And that was my first fear. Not, not about being able to use my army. And I'm like, fuck, I'm losing my friends. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like tearing up a little bit. Um, and then I was just trying to put off surgery for ages because I was still able to go to gym, just ride the bike, um, r- ride the bike every single session. And I thought, yep, yeah, this is fine. But everyone in my ear was like, get surgery, get surgery. But I was like, well, fuck, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> I don't want to fucking do it. Because um, I've never, never had surgery before. Yeah. Um, and leading up to surgery, there a couple other personal events in my life that, um, I, don't, that was, I don't know, it was all like compounding up to, up to I don't know, the weekend that I had surgery booked. Um, and yeah, I guess when surgery happened, I, I was like, shit, just lying in bed, um, lying in bed, yeah. And yeah, like I said, the it was just a feeling of loneliness. I was like, fuck, I can't go back to gym. What was it? Was it three, four days in hospital? No, I only stayed one night in hospital. Well, you're only there for a night. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, yeah, after that one night, um, I came back home. And the one thing I loved is, I guess, like I said, uh, my biggest fear was not being able to be in that gym environment. I had yourself come around to take, uh, take me to... Get some uh, protein and creatine. Yeah, yeah, I'd Shell and Harry come here, drop off some meals. I'd have Abs come here, um, drop off a little care package. I've still got all the stuff up there, but um, <laughs> but I think it was all of a sudden I was just like, holy shit, this is this is going to help me recover. Um, I was like, well, even if I'm injured, can't go to gym. That still sense of community, belonging, still there, and um, yeah, I guess that that was my biggest fear. Um, but then I guess seeing everyone else, seeing all the videos, uh, Instagram stories of people being at gym and doing, uh, doing exercises, uh, you just feel left out. You're like, fuck, I wish I could do this. Yeah. You can't. And even though you're riding a bike and you, you're semi-involved, you, you, the feeling was, fuck, you're just left out. You can't do this. You can't do that. Um, I've got to interject there yeah, as yeah. well. Like there were because there, oh, I remember your clearest day just being on that mm. bike pedaling with bloody one leg and one arm because yeah. well, I guess what the listeners don't know as well is you had your menis- one of your meniscus yep. in your knee hanging on by three yes. so you couldn't really run either yeah. so you're in there pedaling and mm. for so long you would just face the wall and yep. you kept you kept reading stop at nothing yep. for yep. so long mm. and I remember the day where I was just like why don't you just turn the bike around <laughs> and we spun it around so you could face everyone else and you just you lit up this yep. big beam yep. of light you're just like oh my god I can see everyone yeah, I'm yeah. not just looking at the wall mm. and you also what, what you, you read the what was it the, the safe the entry yeah, the yeah, safety yeah. entry thing the oh, code I read, read thing about 20, 20, 20 to 30 times <laughs> oh, I bet you could recite <laughs> it better <laughs> than me <laughs> So, and what I'm trying to say there is as well, like the, it, it didn't matter that you, and I know, I know, I can't imagine the feeling mm. actually. I can't imagine the feeling of what it would be like essentially being left out, but being there, yeah. almost yeah, being yeah. sidelined mm. essentially. So the fact that you still came in and you still hit the calories mm. every day and you kept building it up, you kept yeah. building it up and nonstop. There was, it, it is commendable. And that's what we always constantly talk mm. about is, how you kept doing those and it's literally yep. like 1% like you get on the bike and you yep. do the 1% because at the end of the day it was blood flow yep. everything then goes back and it all aids in that healing process yeah, definitely. so yeah um, and by all means keep going um, so you were also doing a lot of PT yeah, uh, yeah. at that time as yeah. well 
Um, yeah, so I found, um, I think one thing that really helped with my mental state um, was Abby. So she's she's my PT. And I guess at the start, um, when we do PT after surgery, we'd probably be restricted to one or two uh, exercises because I couldn't really do anything. Um, so it's more so, I think, I guess we, we'd talk a lot as well. And it was good to like, and I know a lot of people say PT is cheap therapy. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I agree, it, it is. You pay... <laughs> I was at the for a few months. I was paying sixty bucks for an hour to actually open up about my feelings, and and, and look, and that that definitely helped because I'll be I know moving my arm five centimeters this way, five centimeters that way to help with I know whatever rehab exercise I was doing. But it was more so the talking about my mental state. Her telling me to uh, and I make sure I stay motivated. Those little kind of things. Like, oh my god, that's wrong by emotions. And those little things help me to I know to keep doing those little rehab things that help. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it was just, it just for, for so long, I just f- did feel frustrated because it was like, all you can do is when I ride a bike, all you can do is like really limited exercises. I lost a lot of strength, lost muscle tone. And, and as a, know, as a man, you, you want to be big, you want to be, you want to have big muscles, etc. Um, this, that, whatever. Um, but having abs there as a, constant reassurance, um, voice of like reassurance helped because um, it kept me on track because it was, it'd be easy to just be like, oh, fuck it, I'll just stay, stay at a gym for six months and come back whenever. Yep. So with that, um, I guess, has your perception on training and or its importance mm. and also well-being, so looking after your yep, body, yep. has that changed since the injury before oh, and after? 100%, 100%. Um, I think back in the day, the way I used to lift was ego lifts. Just, you didn't really care too much about warm up. All I cared about was stacking on as much weight as possible, trying to lift. Even the day that uh, we were at Bunko for Troy's birthday with yourself, I saw you pump out 10 110. So I was like, sweet, I'm gonna fucking do that too. Pumped it out. So I saw everyone else's pump, put, putting on more weight. So I'm like, fuck, all right, I'll put 120 on. Even though I'd literally done probably four or five bench press sessions that week. Yeah. I didn't give a shit. I was like, all the boys here, I want to fucking show off, get 120 out. <laughs> and, and there you go. And, and I hurt myself. So now I've got that ego lift mentality out of the way. And it's more so about doing the basics right. Um, and I, and I, I feel as though I'm probably more defined and uh, more defined now. Yeah. And probably a much better technique. 100%. But I don't need to lift heavy. And, and that's the thing. I guess who am I trying to impress? Fuck, am I going to go, going to, go to a party and go, Hey babe, I lift 120. <laughs> yeah, fuck. You've also got a back now as well. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And I think it's the, um, and I didn't really pay too much attention to the science of training and all that, but I guess I know you do the basics. It, it sounds cliche. You do the basics. You warm up properly. You know, you do all the little exercises that build up, build up the bigger muscles, and, and it does have a massive effect. Yeah. Has um, Troy had a bit of influence on that as well? Like, because obviously you've been seeing Troy yep, yep. regularly now since then yeah no, so d- has he had a bit of an influence or positive like have you taken any key aspects away from his sort of philosophy around it yeah 100 percent. so he he was um he was great throughout the entire process so the first time i found out my so we'll rewind back to i think start of october and first time i found out that my pack was actually torn because the entire time i after i after i did the injury i'd um i'd <laughs> sorry Mario, i just whacked my dog <laughs> In a nice way, not in a, not in a mean way. Um, so when I first did my injury at gym, I had probably three or four sessions with Troy. He'd have a look at it, and Troy, the entire, entire time was saying, because I still had a bit of movement, that, hey, 
maybe it's not torn. Maybe it's not torn. And I, and I started believing it. It's not torn. It's not torn. The pack's still intact. So I got an MRI and then go to see Troy. They emailed to him and get to the session. Troy's got this big smile on his face. I'm like, fuck it, it's good news. And he's like, Dash. And, and this is, I've got a big smile on my face because that's, that's, that's Troy's face. He's like, mate, yeah, it's completely torn off. <laughs> I'm like, are you? I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm like mate, you're kidding. You're kidding. And, and one thing that Troy's got to work on is his delivery of bad news. And he's got this big smile on his face going, yeah, no. Yeah, go on. Yeah, complete dislocation. I'm like, cool. Sweet. Awesome. Oh, I know the face <laughs> yeah. as well. And then he kind of like, I don't know, put his hand on my shoulder going, okay, get surgery. You'll be right. I'm like, oh, you're shattered my life. Thanks, man. But, um, but I guess, and, but the thing that, uh, that night, um, after I left, uh, his clinic driving home, obviously you could tell I was upset. He sent me, he sent me a really nice message going, chin up big fella, you'll all be okay. You've got the right people around you. And that once again, I guess Troy not only caters to, I guess, looking after me physically, but also he understands me emotionally too. So saying those little words meant a lot. Um, and then I guess, yeah, uh, probably for the past six months, once a week, or even sometimes twice a week, uh, I see him for rehab, um, does that little exercise. And he's, he and uh, him and Abby talk a fair bit about what exercise to give me. So I guess obviously everything I do with Abby at PT um, has, I guess, I don't know, Troy's green, green light or yeah. tick of approval. Yeah, perfect. Since then, so you've, you've come leaps and bounds, you now back to bench pressing yep, and yep. stuff. The, your upper body is looking so much better than what yep. it is because you, you did go through a big stage of atrophy where yep. you lost a lot of muscle it's now mm. built back on slowly yep. and I think one of the best things you said to me the other day was in one of the sessions is you're like I don't need to lift heavy anymore yep. and I can yep. still be big yep. um, so it was a great realisation mm. and that should almost be spread out mm. to the I guess population of 18 to 25 yeah, year definitely. olds um, but it's been really good now did any of that experience mm. through that time yep. has that shaped and influenced how you approach the rest of your life, um, I guess the overcoming of adversity yep. and mm. challenge, like has any of that had any positive impact? Oh, 100%, 100%. Um, when you spend, I guess, I know, three months looking at a sign that says stop at nothing. Um, but, and that stop at, uh, when I was when I was cycling, I don't know, for those four or five months, where I could do, couldn't do anything and looking at this sign for stop at nothing. I didn't derive that, that drive from a negative place. And, I guess that's that's what I've picked up. I guess I know that this year has probably been one of the best years of my life because I've been a, uh, better to myself, better to the people around me. And I think when you go through something shit like what happened last year with that injury, that that that's, that shows me that I can if I put positive energy into something, um, keep at it, stay consistent, I can achieve anything. And right now, I've not not a bulletproof mentality, but I know that no matter what setbacks life throws my way and I know that I'm not always going to be as successful as work, at work as I am right now I know I guess I know girls love whatever there's going to be setbacks with that um, at gym there might be setbacks with that with friendship there might be setbacks but I deep down know that if I apply myself do the uh, do the right thing by myself by others that I can I know, nothing can stop me yeah and and I, I think that's the best thing about this um, I know, about this entire experience awesome now, another thing I want to touch on, which has been pretty cool, you've had, uh, as far as I believe, two public speaking events yep, yep. Um, in the past, what would that be, about six months? Yeah, eight in months? The, yeah, in the past six months, yeah, yeah. Yep, cool. How did that come about and um, how have you found that? Yeah. Um, the first one was, um, 
um, a, a fellow that went to Maris Ashgrove a couple of grades below me, he works uh, at UQ as a teaching aide. And he reached out to me and said, look there for their human, one of the human resource um, subjects, they're doing a uh, top subject on recruitment. And he said, look, uh, Desha, I've got you on social media. I see that you're doing well in that area. Do you want to come and speak? Um, and I guess I asked, I asked him what he wanted me to speak about and basically said, talk about your career journey. And um, yeah, and that was really cool getting up and speak. And when I was speaking about that, it, it felt nice to actually I know, reflect on my journey, which hasn't, I don't know, I don't know what, it, it hasn't been the easiest or it hasn't been the most conventional, but I guess, I know, you, you, make, a few, you make a few wrong turns. Uh, but if you keep on, I keep applying yourself. You got to get, I know, get to the right destination in the end. Yep. Uh, so that that's how that one came up. It was pretty cool to be actually recognised uh, by someone else, um, and I know you feel you feel that bit of fulfilment that people can see what you're achieving. So that was cool. Um, the second one was the careers counsellor at Marist um, reached out to me and said um, for their grade twelve is they're doing a career expo, expo night, but before that to generate a bit of interest, they wanted people from the industry who are either in HR management roles or recruitment to come in, speak to the boys about the do's and don'ts of how to apply for jobs and what to do on your resume, et cetera, as well. So once again, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome being back at school after, um, after such a long period of time away from it, getting up and, and speaking to the kids. You feel that nervous energy with the, from the boys who, uh, where I was 15 years ago when I finished school. Like they had no idea what they want to do or what to expect in life. Um, a lot, uh, obviously, Morris is a very good school. And a lot of them come from privileged backgrounds, or um, so I know a lot of people probably think that things are gonna just work out, <laughs> work out if you do whatever, which is kind of happened to me. But <laughs> but I think it, it was cool. I think if I got told certain things uh, of what to do, what not to do, it would really resonated with me. And I and I, I love the fact that I was able to speak to some of the boys, and uh, grade twelve was there and tell them that. And a few of them came up after it, um, thanked me for, uh, for my time and saying that they really enjoyed it. So, oh, awesome. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. It was a good feeling to, I guess, I know, be recognised. Perfect. Now, so another big, uh, I guess, milestone you've had in the last little bit is, is your house. Yeah. So yeah. buying a block of land, building a house. Yeah. Um, walk us through how you kind of went through that process, how it made you feel sort of owning your own yeah. um, or essentially buying your own block of land, owning your own home because... I guess for, for more and more people, that yep. sort of becomes, mm. I guess, a little more unattainable mm. and especially with uncertainty yep. at the moment in yep. this current climate. But yeah, walk us through how all that came about yeah. and made you decide to go down um, I guess a lot of my mates were like, Dad, you make all this money, but you got nothing to show for it. And I was like, well, fuck, you're right. <laughs> I don't really have anything to show for it. I guess a lot of people, and I don't know, I guess at the time I was probably comparing myself to a lot of other people in similar um, positions to myself and they've got, I don't know, powers, family, all that stuff. And I was like, fuck it, I'll, I'll buy a house. <laughs> and um, when I bought this block of land, I went, out, when I went to realestate.com, I uh, was looking at things and I saw a drawing of house and land package for X amount of dollars, whatever. So I was like, oh, all right, sweet. I'll send an inquiry in. And the real estate agent called me the next day going, yeah, yeah, it's, um, I know, 800 or whatever something. And they're like, oh, you know, it's just a block of land. I'm like, oh, true. I thought it was a house. Because <laughs> it, was, it was one of those like, you know, those like, architectural drawing thing. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. oh, I'm like, oh, there's no house. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, fair enough. Can I have a look? So I went to um, drive here, had a look at the block of land, but it, it's two, a street away from where one of my best mates lives. So I'm like, yeah. fuck it, this is fake. So let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so bought the block of land. I think at the time I just did it because I just wanted to tick something off the grocery list saying, look, I, I bought a house. I'm just, just after 30, bought a house. So did yeah. that. Um, 
And then the thing I liked is because I was living in an apartment at the time. I think I was always scared of moving into a house by myself because I was like, fuck, I don't want to just buy a house. I want a, I want a home. I, like, I think by most people think when you're in your early 30s, you have family, kids and all that. Yep. And I just had a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the closer the house got to being uh, completed, I didn't... I felt a bit of anxiousness because I was like, fuck, I'm about to move into this nice house with just me and my dog. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, I thought I'd have different feelings. Um, yeah. I, I thought I'd feel a bit happier when the house was like, yeah, okay. get built. Yeah, so, yeah, so it was, it was a bit weird. And I think when I got the got the keys, I was like, fuck, we're all not got the house, not got to move in here. <laughs> um, so it was, it, was, it was a strange feeling. I, I think I don't, at the time, I don't think I'd appreciate it as much because I just felt as though, Shit, I'm moving into this big place by myself. Um, but in saying that, I guess um, I, I always know I don't need I need to appreciate what I've achieved and show gratitude for what I have. So over I guess the past year that I lived here, I've definitely I guess made it more into a home. Uh, I love having people over, showing them a good time here, etc. As well. So I think at the time I didn't really like it because it was like now I've ticked the house off. What what is next? Yeah, and that. And that's what scares me, I guess. What is next? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's very funny. Like, I'm, I'm very interested in that is, do you feel like there has to be a next now? Or is it, are you content with where you are yet continue to strive mm. for betterness? How do you, how are you approaching the future now? Like, especially with such a big um, milestone ticked yeah. off. I think, I, I think, Bobby, if you asked me the same question a year ago, my mentality was, I need the next now. What do I work towards? If I don't have something to work towards, then what am I doing? Mm. Um, whereas now, I guess I'm, I'm a bit more I'm a bit more content with what I have. Um, appreciate what I've got in my life. Um, dog, family, friends. Um, I'm, I know, I'm showing a bit more gratitude for um, you know, what I've achieved instead of always searching for, and I always have this glass screen on the other side, or if I achieve the next goal, I'll be happier. Mm. Um, Because sometimes if you, I know, if you just have that mentality, then you're not going to be unhappy because you're just going to be a hamster on a wheel. (laughs) Yeah, very true. All right, mate. Um, So as well with that, I guess what I kind of want to know is, well, actually, I probably, so uh, the listeners won't know this, but there, there are times where you'll spend you know, sometimes seven days mm. in the office. Yeah. Not not a full day. Like I know yeah, yeah. you'll go in on weekends for a couple of hours, yeah. do some work. But with how driven you are in your professional career, yeah. what do you do to relax? How do you unwind? What are some of the things you do there? Yeah. Um, I think because one thing I really love doing uh, to unwind is gym. I guess um, you asked a question that you asked a little while ago is when did you start feeling fulfillment in mm. what you're doing? I think. And I said a couple of years ago, and I think that ties in well when I joined Fitstop because I felt as though I wasn't just working. Because when you work so many hours, you got, don't really have t- too much time for so, know, social life, etc. Whereas uh, joining the gym gives you that social aspect, which is great. And it helped me give, have a bit of balance. So I could work till, I don't know, from seven o'clock till six o'clock at night, but then you go, go have a good session with your mates. And you feel content. You, you feel a bit more fulfilled. You don't feel as though all you've done is just stare at a fucking screen all day. Yeah. Um, so that helps me relax. Um, I do I do love a punt. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of people, I guess, I don't know, they, and I guess, I don't know, it sounds like cliche, but people, I don't know, people like fucking games a lot. But it's weird, like the things I do gamble about, or I like creating a bit of an impossible, impossible idea 
and then create a bit of a following. And then, and then when it goes, oh, fuck it, that's awesome. Ben Hunt. Yeah, ben Hunt. <laughs> D- Darius Boyd. Yeah. Yeah, all, all this stuff. But it's, that, that helps me on why, because I guess a lot of my mates, um, they love Hunt as well. Watching, uh, watching footy, having uh, first try score a bet on, those kind of things. That's good. I, I love, love restaurants, going to restaurants. Darius got first try day you tore your peck as well, didn't yep, he? Yep, yep. Yes, yep. he did. Yes, he did. Actually, <laughs> that was a very special moment. It was, that was a big day. That, that was, was a big day. day. That was a day full of a lot yeah, of Yeah, that was oh, a lot, so many emotions. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I guess it's one of those things where, um, yeah, I guess that's about it. I guess I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy with what I do. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, all right, so a couple of the wrap-up questions. Yep. What, what, one of the one of the main ones I ask now is through COVID, so through the big lockdown yep. um, that we had, was your perception on how you viewed almost everything? So your perception on uh, your professional life, the perception on mm. your how you view friends, family. Yep. Has any of that changed through COVID? Were there any kind of realizations or anything you learned to appreciate during yep. that time? And I guess the um, also, subsequential lockdowns that have happened since yep. then. Um, I probably enjoy and appreciate, I guess, human contact and social interactions much more than I did before before lockdown. I think back in the day, I'd I know, bail on social events pretty quick, or pretty early, or even not go at all. Uh, but I guess when you're locked down, I was like, well, shit. <laughs> I guess when you uh, when you when you miss that human interaction, it, it does warp your I know, sense of reality a little bit as well. Um, so these days I'll try to, um, I guess with, with people, not with everyone, but with people that I think matter in my life, I'll try to make the most of, it in, of that interaction. Yeah, well, I guess four days. Yeah. <laughs> when our last one happened, I was like, woof, yeah. over the next day was yeah. a bit rough. It was. Um, oh, awesome, man. Okay. And um, so is the way you also, I guess, attack, well, actually, no, okay, more from a, a mental standpoint. Yep. Is there anything that you learned to, I guess, kind of appreciate coming out of uh, that lockdown? I'll give you an example. So for me personally, I I found that I, and this is going to sound bad because I do know it is a thing, but I almost believe that sort of anything you suffered psychologically, mm. mentally, yep. like so a mental kind of sickness, be it depression or whatever, yep. could quite easily be solved with enough sleep, yep. diet, and exercise. Yeah, and I mean, nine times out of 10, that can be the case. But I found one thing with me is not having the community yep. of the gym. Mm. When I lost that, I lost a sense of purpose yes. during that time. So that made me appreciate, okay, well, you know, mental illness and any kind of thing around that, there's mm. a little bit more to it yep. than just eat, sleep, train. Yep, definitely. Um, did you have any experiences like that at all? Like how you saw or approached yeah, other definitely. things uh, I guess I've always like suffered from a little bit of social anxiety but it's probably uh, my doing um, more than anything else but one thing I found is that you've got to I guess as soon as lockdown finished um, I know it would have been easy just to hide away from everyone as well but then I guess I think everyone was a bit apprehensive um, uh, I, know, re, I know reconnecting with people but that reconnection with people just helped so much I guess because I, I I derive a lot of energy from the people around me. So if if I know if I'm feeling down, and for example, I found my PT session with Abby, and oh, she's in a bouncy mood, which she always is at our sessions. I I, derive, I I absorb that because that that helps me. Um, so what one thing I've realised is that look, yeah, we can. I know I want to spend time with the people that matter, and um, because they're the people that I know that lift me up. Yeah. So that's probably the realisation I came to. I guess be careful about I know who you spend your time with. 
Awesome. Yeah. Love that. Is there, oh, sorry, not is there, walk us through what your normal morning routine looks like. How yep. do you set yourself up for success yep. each day? Yep. Um, I guess it's, it's strange. I guess when I wake up in the morning, I guess it's my, my first thought. Uh, it depends what my first thought is. There's, and I'm, I'm not uh, probably four, three, three days out of seven, I wake up. I'm, I don't feel motivated. So I'm like, fuck, I want to sleep in a little bit more. So my first thought isn't, I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to attack the day. So it depends, I guess, if I go to, if I go to gym in the morning, if I wake up in the morning and go, yep, sweet, I'm going to gym. I'm like, cool. Okay. Then that's one little step. Uh, one little thing that I've done, that's the right uh, step in the right direction. Or if I wake up in the morning, I'm like, fuck, I really don't want to go to work today. I feel a bit flat. Like this morning, I felt a little bit flat. Um, uh, signed out of gym. I was like, nah, I'm not going to, not going to go in. Um, but on most days when I do that, I think to myself, hold up. I want to make sure I go to gym in the afternoon. So actually, at least I finish my day day right. Yep. So when I wake up in the morning, if I'm feeling good, go, yep, start my day with gym, get to work, put my suit on, feel powerful, and I, I maybe take a selfie in the mirror because I guess, you know, when I do that, I'm like, yeah, sweet. I'm really, really switched on. Yep. But but on those days when I'm not, I tell myself, okay, well, okay, well you, you're a bit flat this morning. Just make sure you finish your day right. Okay. Whether that be with gym or cook a nice meal, yeah. um, or think watch a nice movie, just do something in your day that is positive. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that that's somewhat answers the next question. Mm. Is I guess if there's is there something you can't do without in your day, which won't lead you to success? I guess that question yeah. being is as long as you finish the day yeah. with something positive, then. It's a win. Yeah, 100%. Perfect. Love that. All right, mate. Awesome. That uh, that wraps it up there. Cool. Thanks so much for sitting down with me, no mate. Worries, mate. Really yeah, appreciate was, uh, it. It was good to open up. <laughs> Love that. All right, so if um, anyone wants to get in touch with you about recruiting, yep. they want to see sort of what your life is, tell us where they can find you. Um, I could, um, okay, I won't give my Facebook name because I kind of like, like, like to keep <laughs> that private, but uh, my Instagram is Dashtilly, D-E-S-H-T-I-L-L-Y, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Dasha Joseph. Um, but yeah, I'm always uh, happy to have a chat to anyone and everyone. Nice, love that, mate. All right, again, thank you so much. Um, and for everyone at home, guys, make sure you... Uh, Make sure, make sure you give us a little shout out um, when you listen to this. Chuck it up on your Instagram. Make sure you tag Desh as well. So ATP Podcast and Desh uh, there on Instagram. Mate, thank you so much. Uh, for everyone at home, hope you enjoyed the podcast. And guys, we will be back with you very soon.